الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان عده الشهور عند الله 12 شهرا في كتاب الله يوم خلق السماوات والارض منها اربعه حرم ذلك الدين القيم فلا تظلموا فيهن انفسكم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صوموا عاشورا وخالفوا اليهود صوموا يوما قبله او يوما بعده او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters we are on the eve of this very great occasion known as ashura we have discussed on previous occasions the significance of this mubarak day and we would have practiced on some of the things to acquire the virtues so to repeat some of those things to refresh some of those less those lessons so that we make a greater effort to implement them in our lives we will discuss a few things in the same regard today in the quran sharif allah tbaraka wa taala speaks about four sacred months allah taala says that the number of months in the year has been decreed by allah tbaraka wa taala to be 12 and this is from the time that the system of the universe was put into place from the time allah taala created the heavens and the earth then allah taala created the system also of 12 months in the year this is by the movement of the sun that this creates this full cycle of 12 months now this is allah taala's creation and then allah taala put some special significance in special moments of the year allah taala mentions in the quran sharif that of these 12 months minha arba'atun hurum that four months are sacred which are these four sacred months nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has described this in the hadith sharif zulqada zulhijja muharram these are the three months that run consecutively and the fourth month is rajab these four months the quran sharif says that they are sacred now what is the meaning of this being sacred why does it have an extra virtue extra significance this is due to allah tbaraka wa taala giving it that significance the muhaddisin explain that there are some special tajalliyat the manifestations of allah taala's mercy the rays of his mercy that descend on the earth these special tajalliyat these special manifestations of allah tbaraka wa taala that makes it special that 
increases the virtue of the time. It increases the value of those moments in those months. So something that is done in some other time of the year, the same amal is done in these moments, the value of it is increased. The reward for it is increased. Likewise, in the month of Muharram, this is also among the Ashhure Hurum, the sacred months. In the hadith, Nabi Wasallam is reported to have said that the person who keeps one fast in this month, any day of this month, one fast is equivalent to 30 fasts. So one fast is equivalent to 30 fasts in these 10 days, uh, in, the, in this month. So each fast a person keeps any day of the month. So he's getting rewarded times 30. So now this is a great virtue. Then comes the 10th of Muharram, the day of Ashura. This has been given even greater significance. Person who fasts on this day, then it becomes a compensation for the minor sins of the year that has passed. This is also a special virtue. Then on the day of Ashura, in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salaam says, "Man wassa ala iyalihi yom Ashura, wassa Allahu alayhi sanata kullaha." The one who is generous upon his family on the day of Ashura, Allah Taala will be generous to him throughout the year. So these are virtues that we have heard previously. We also have heard and learnt about the fact that one should fast. Then two days, not just one day. This fast is Sunnah. But if one is keeping the fast, then he should fast on the 9th and 10th, or the 10th and 11th. Now these are the virtues and the things to be done on these Mubarak days. The fasting, generosity on one's family, and other righteous deeds in general, nothing in particular. Now the thing is, to try and get into the depth of this, to some extent and understand some of the lessons that give that these occasions give us we will find that many many occasions in the Islamic calendar when there is something special about it then one special ibadat for that occasion is fasting in the first 10 days of Zulhijjah obviously not the 10th itself but the first 9 days there are special rewards of fasting then the 9th of Zulhijjah, the day of Arafah has an extra special reward it's a very big day very great day so there is a special ibadat is of fasting and that fast has an excellent reward it becomes a compensation of the minusons of the past year and the year to come likewise now we find the 10th of Muharram this is a special occasion the special ibadat again is fasting these are nafil Nafil fast, we can call them sunnat fast as well. Nafil in the sense that it is optional, but Nabi Islam kept these fasts, so it is sunnat. The lesson here is that together with the farz fast of Ramadan, there are these occasions when there is a special time, there is a special ibadat, and the special ibadat is that of fasting. What we are being made to do here is to keep alive the spirit of Ramadan that in Ramadan when a person was fasting person was very conscious I must not commit any wrong I must not involve myself in any haram 
then the fast itself was training the person to restrain from all evil, from all wrongdoing. Here again we are being given these opportunities to fast. One is that this is an ibadat that has great benefit in it. It takes a person very close to Allah wa Taala. Fasting is very much safer in terms of riyak creeping in because a person is fasting. Nobody knows he's fasting. Unless he goes about bragging about it, goes about mentioning it to others. Otherwise, somebody has made sehri, somebody is making iftar, that time somebody in the immediate family would perhaps know. Other than that, nobody will know that this person is even fasting. So it's such a great ibadat. And this ibadat brings a lot of acceptance. It's done solely for Allah wa ta'ala. Whatever amal is done with it, it brings acceptance. There is one kitab that is taught in the Alim course, which is a very big kitab. Very, very deep kitab of fiqh which is known as Hidayah. Some of you may have heard the name, may not, maybe not. It takes a lot of time and effort for this kitab to be taught, for it to be learned. It is in four sections, four parts, in two big volumes. And these two big volumes, which run into seven, eight hundred pages, this is actually a summary of the original kitab. The original kitab was in 80 volumes. And then these two volumes were brought out. So when these two volumes were brought out, the author, when he was writing Hidayah, his, it took him a long time to write it. Years went in it. And every day he wrote this kitab, every day he wrote it in a state of fasting. He never missed one day, obviously besides the days that are forbidden, Ramadan is Ramadan, besides that every day he fasted. But he fasted in such a manner, uh, he had his own quarters where he used to eat in his own section. So they would send the food to him, his family would send the food to him because he would be occupied with his work there, so they would send the food to him, he would eat there. But meanwhile, he was secretly fasting every day. He would make his seri on his own, nobody knew he made his seri. Now they would send his food to his quarters, his section of the house where only he used to be there, busy with his work. So the food would be, come, would be brought and placed there, and the servant who, or the slave, whoever came and brought it would keep it and go away. After some time, some guest would come, or some beggar would pass, some musafir would be passing. He would call that person and feed him that food. Now nobody else knew who ate the food. They would think, the house people would think he ate it. And then at the time of iftar, then he would eat whatever he wanted to eat for iftar. So his lunch, etc. was fed to the musafir, to the poor person, some guest, whoever. He didn't touch a morsel of it. And all these years that went by, nobody knew that he was keeping nafil fast every day. But the barakat of that, fasting in that manner, and doing this great work, and writing this book in the state of fasting, brought it such acceptance, that every student that studies the alim course in the line of the Dars Nizami, and this amounts to thousands and thousands of people every year in the, throughout the world 
This book is studied by every one of them. Nobody becomes an alim without studying this hidayah. And over two years this is studied. So in other words, we can safely say that almost every day of the year, some places the program is a little bit different, some places in Ramadan also, students are studying, some places Ramadan is a holiday, so other times are studying, so the program differs. So almost every day of the year, centuries have gone by. Centuries have gone by, but this kitab is being studied by somebody or the other, read by somebody or the other. This is acceptance. It would be perhaps hundreds of thousands, maybe past a million, that have studied this, this kitab. So, where did this barakat come from? This barakat came from this amal. And this ikhlas in that amal. So, the one thing they will understand from this is the lesson of ikhlas again. And then that ikhlas in fasting brought this barakat in that amal. So, these people produced these works and this flourished and long after they left that benefit of that is still continuing where did this come from? it came from these two things the ikhlas and adding that amal in it it wasn't on the basis of just outward things they were building something within themselves the salah, Imam Bukhari he is writing that kitab of Bukhari Sharif every hadith before he writes he's taking a ghusl he's performing two rakat salah he's making dua and now he's writing and recording one hadith can we imagine what a task this was a big kitab like Bukhari Sharif and every hadith is doing this first but that extra effort brought that barakat now how many centuries have passed since Imam Bukhari passed away but centuries later this kitab is still alive and Imam Bukhari his work is still alive and people by the thousands by the hundreds of thousands are benefiting from this so where did this come from? It came from that barakat. Barakat came on basis of what? On basis of ikhlas and this effort of amal. So Allah wa ta'ala is giving us these occasions that when these occasions come then you get involved in amal because this amal will bring barakat in your life barakat in everything barakat in your efforts barakat in your work so one of the very great amals is that of fasting. And when we find special occasions come, the speciality of that occasions becomes a fasting. So this is also one of those occasions that we should try whatever we can. Somebody cannot manage it or it's difficult for someone. Then there's no compulsion. It is not something that is farz or wajib. But it is highly encouraged. We should try if we can to keep the fast of Ashura and benefit from this occasion nevertheless we said that we started off on this note that this is a sacred month and why is it sacred because Allah Ta'ala has put extra virtue the tajalliyad come but just as when something is sacred and brings about added rewards it brings about multiplied rewards likewise the wrong that is done in these sacred moments brings multiplied sin like for example in the Kaaba Sharif, in the Haram Sharif in Makkah Mukarramah, a person performs one salah, it is multiplied by 100,000. So one salah multiplied by 100,000, this is because of the sanctity of the place. Allah Ta'ala has put that virtue in the place. You come to this place, you get this reward. 
But just as the reward is multiplied, somebody goes for Umrah, they go for Hajj, they are now in Baytullah, and now the person is still neglectful, and the person is committing wrong there. The person is sitting in the Haram Sharif and casting Haram glances. The person is making ribat in the Haram Sharif. Person is doing other things that are wrong in the Haram Sharif. This now multiplies that sin also by hundred thousand. Because just as the sanctity of the place brought the multiplied reward, it also makes the sin even more serious. So just as this applies to the sanctity in place, it applies to the sanctity in time also. So Allah Ta'ala is saying that this Ashhur Hurum, the month of Muharram, is like for example, we are presently in Muharram, it has multiplied rewards. Person performed, keeps one fast, multiplied 30 times. So the time has an extra virtue. So likewise, wrong in this time has multiplied sin. Therefore Allah Ta'ala says that four of these months are sacred. فَلَا أَنفُسَكُمْ don't oppress yourself in this time by committing wrong. Become extra careful. Become extra conscious. Make extra adab of this time. Use this time correctly. Don't while it away. In the madrasa, you would be engaged in deen, in the learning of deen. The time, inshallah, will be controlled. But now at home, what do you do? Unfortunately, many people, if we have to analyze their day, if we have to analyze their day, how much of time is spent in totally futile things? The cell phone has become one of the major time wasters. People have become addicted to it. They just, all the time, futile. One is somebody is doing something that is necessary. His business or somebody, some deen, something that is necessary. Not just a person making excuse of necessity. Unfortunately, people have become like, they call it the World Wide Web. Websites, World Wide Web. And what was the first understanding of a web that you had in your mind when you were a little child? The first thing you saw was a spider's web. That's what was your first understanding of a web. And who gets caught in the web? Or what gets caught in the web? The spider spins a big web. What gets caught? They all the flies. The flies get caught in the web. And when the flies get caught in the web, the next thing, the spider that is sitting in one corner, it rushes across and it devours the fly. So one is flies get caught in the web. These people also created this world wide web. That's what it's called. WWW. World wide web. Many times, these things just get lost in the all the jargon that carries on but there's something in it why did they say world wide web because it connected the whole world yes fine but it has this other part to it also that people will now get stuck into it like flies all kinds of flies big and small and a fly is a fly after all so when they get stuck into it it's something to think about why are we getting stuck into this thing? Are we flies? Are we just getting devoured? So, this is not supposed to be the thing that happens to us. And especially now in these Mubarak times, that all these things we should discard from our lives. 
many a person complains that somebody is complaining about the wife is complaining about the husband husband is complaining about the wife somebody is complaining about the children sometimes children are complaining about the parent and that there is no social interaction in the same home because of addiction to the phone five people are sitting in the same room and everybody is connected not to each other all are connected to all over the world but they are distant away from the people they are sitting closest by all are far away connected somewhere else as a result they are becoming disconnected from each other parents are becoming disconnected from children husband and wife are becoming disconnected brothers and sisters are becoming disconnected because everybody is connected everywhere else but to each other who are they supposed to be connected to so in these Mubarak times we are being given this extra attention that we should not become caught up in all these things we should be directing our energies our time our effort to that which will bring us closer to Allah wa ta'ala, to that which will make us an asset to society will make us useful to people first and foremost we are to become the true servants of Allah ta'ala and close, get closer to Him then we are becoming useful to people becoming useful to mankind unfortunately this is becoming a very far off thing nowadays that to become a means of assistance a means of good to others it's me, myself and I my leisure, my pleasure must not get disrupted for anybody somebody is sick somebody is needing some help somebody is in a problem some, that's their problem, they in Daba my in Daba is me, myself and I three of us so I'm not worried about myself only there's a whole group of us, me, myself and I. And everybody else, that's they in Daba. So it's not that they, they in Daba, we have been taught in Deen to make ourselves useful for mankind. Obviously within the limits that Shariat has outlined for us. But we become an asset. We become something, a person that has some good in him for everybody so the time of Muharram and the time of Ashura gives us these lessons as well like for example the virtue that we just discussed earlier at the beginning where Nabi Islam says the one who is more generous upon his family Allah Ta'ala will be more generous upon him throughout the year he's generous on this day Allah Ta'ala will be more generous upon him throughout the year now firstly to understand this Hadith Sharif in context that this pertains to the aspect of some extra luxury in food, in eating. That, not extra luxury, but meaning something above the standard meal that the family normally has, something additional, some luxury that can be brought into this, into the meal on this day. So, this is what is the meaning of this not that a person now gets involved in customs and exchanging of gifts all these things never existed in terms of the virtue of Ashura and are not part of it these are customs, people make up their own customs these things didn't exist until very recently these are things people just brought up that on the day of Ashura now start giving everybody gifts like people now 
Christmas comes and Diwali comes and whatever else, they give everybody gifts now. So Ashura came, we give everybody gifts. Got nothing to do with Ashura. The other part of it is now somebody is involved in this. Some families have made this a custom in a very nice way, in a very kind way, without making a confrontation with anybody. We explain to them nicely that look, this is not part of Ashura anything. We should inquire from the ulama Kiram, take their direction, take their guidance and accordingly we should practice and we try to stay aloof from this kind of practices in a dignified way nicely without creating any contra- uh, controversy or confrontation with anybody but we stick within the limits if somebody is uh, doing something we don't become part of it but in a nice way so in any case we are talking about Ashura that in the Hadith Sharif this is the lesson of generosity so one is now that for this day, for the day of Ashura but there will be this general atmosphere of generosity every home to some extent or the other this will be the atmosphere that there is something additional that is being spent on this day out of generosity so this is a lesson not for the day alone this is a lesson that generosity should be alive in us we should be generous our heart should be open for everybody to the extent that we can but our heart should be open. Somebody has got one rand, his heart will be open for everybody. But he can spend 10 cents out of the one rand. That too is his big sacrifice. He spent 10%. And somebody out of a million rand spent 1,000 rands. He spent 0,1%. So this person's sacrifice is much more. Though that person will get rewarded much more for his quantity, this person will get rewarded much more for his sacrifice. And if his ikhlas and sacrifice is greater, sometimes his reward, though that person's reward on quantity will be thousand times, his reward on his quality can sometimes surpass that thousand. Like somebody gives you ten sweets. What kind of sweet? So it's ten sweets, but it is worth one rand each. And somebody else uh, has got, some other person gives you something, but he gives you a lint, imported chocolate, big one. And it's worth 50 rands. Now this person gave you 10. And that person gave you, also maybe the size is the same. But the quality of it is such that that 10 is worth 50 rands. Sometimes some people say this particular thing is worth one small little thing. You put it in your mouth and it's already melted away. I say it's worth 10 rand. The small thing is worth 10 rand. Whatever names they give it to you, even forgot the names. So, now that one small thing is worth 10 rand. Why? Because of the quality. So sometimes the quality, though in the quantity it's one, in the weight it's far superior, in the quality it's far superior, in its value and worth it's far superior. So it should not be that a person thinks that I can only spend one rand, so I am deprived. No, if we increase the quality in it, we can surpass many a person of quantity. But the lesson we are learning in this is, that this general atmosphere of generosity brings alive this lesson of generosity. That this should be alive. Our heart should be open for everybody. And to the extent of our capacity, we should be spending on those who are less fortunate, on those who are in difficulties, those, whatever we can, whatever extent we can. We can spend one rand, we spend one rand. We can spend ten cents, we spend ten cents. But for the sake of Allah, tabaraka wa ta'ala, and together with that, one is generosity 
in terms of spending from our belongings, our possessions, our wealth. But generosity is beyond that. Generosity is not confined to wealth. There's the generosity of the heart in terms of how a person deals with people. Has an open heart. He's ready to forgive and forget anything. Ready to accommodate anybody. Ready to trample one's own, own rights for the comfort of the next person. Ready to forego one's rights so that the next person could be put ahead, be advanced. Now this is true generosity of the depth of the heart. That a person has an open heart. Doesn't matter. My, I don't get what my right is. Doesn't matter. But the next person gets extra. That makes me happy. The Sahabai Kiram, this is what they taught us. The Sahabi and his wife and his children are all going hungry to bed. But the guest of Rasulullah must eat. Now this brought their praises in the Quran Sharif. Now this is the generosity of the heart. And the compassion, the forgiveness and all the things, all the qualities that go along. So this is the le- lesson that we are being taught in Ashura. So together with the fasting and getting the rewards of the fasting, this is the second lesson that we have to be open-hearted, big-hearted. Not that every small thing becomes a big thing for us, every small thing becomes an issue for us. Some person told me this, and some person did that, and some person took this of mine, and some person doesn't want to talk to me a little bit so nicely, so I will uh, respond in like, or that person uh, doesn't want to associate with me, so I won't associate with that per- with him. Now these little things that carry on in the classroom, maybe at home, with our cousins, with our friends, or wherever it might be, all these things shouldn't happen. We should be bigger than this. We should be having that heart, which Nabi Islam taught. Now this is a lesson of Ashura that we can put things behind us and carry on with life like nothing happened and those who do this we have seen this in our lives in our short life we have seen and witnessed many people who had this kind of approach to life that they just walked away from whatever issues came in their lives like nothing happened and when we even Allah Ta'ala made it possible to see how they were blessed in this world what is in the akhirat is beyond imagination. But how Allah Ta'ala bless these personalities in this very world. But it takes a while sometimes, because the dunya is a test. It takes a while for the wheels to turn. But then those blessings come which couldn't be imagined. But there was that little sacrifice. There was that magnanimity. There was that big heartedness. There was that, like the ocean, it takes in anything. And it still gives off so much good all the filth is dumped into the ocean and the ocean just absorbs it and just destroys it and disintegrates it and the ocean says I will still give all the best of things the ocean will give all the good fish and will give all the other good of the sea and it will benefit mankind it will allow those huge massive ships to travel over it and to move from one point to the other and benefit mankind and it will allow all the other benefits to keep flowing but 
it will absorb everybody's all the dirt and the filth will come and dump itself in the ocean and the ocean won't complain one bit and still give, you, give off its good so this is the lesson that we have to take from Ashura the lesson of generosity generosity to the extent of our capacity in wealth also generosity in our approach to life in our dealing with people in our emotions in our akhlaq in all the things of whatever we have to do in terms of our heart generosity in that regard as well then the third very important lesson and this is the lesson that we get in Ashura as well as we explained earlier that one should fast if one can but to fast on two days not on one day only on the 9th and 10th or the 10th and 11th Ashura itself is on the 10th but Nabi Salaam was told that the Jews are also fasting on this day so Nabi Salaam said no you go on fasting you are not fasting because of them Sumu Ashura wa Khaliful Yahud but don't be like the Jews even outwardly oppose them oppose them how are you going to oppose them you fast an additional fast you fast either one day before also or one day after as well now you will be keeping two fasts they are keeping one fast you are not opposing the Jews so you are not resembling them in any way now this is the very very big lesson of opposing the way of the Yahud and Nasara not to be caught up in their ways unfortunately we will only do something if it is fashionable and the fashions come from where? it comes from the west and we discussed this previously some weeks back that we need to always consider things from this line and from this angle that we are people of Medina Sharif or people of New York and London and Paris no, 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 we are not people of New York and London and Paris we are 100% people of Medina Sharif meaning our link is to Medina Sharif Nabi Wasallam. so then in and out within and without indoors and outdoors we are people of Medina Sharif we don't cover up inside we are New York and outside Medina Sharif and we feel all proud about ourselves no, we are in and out Medina Sharif so now the occasion of Ashura comes and gives us the same lesson again. Sumu Ashura wa Khaliful Yahud. Let us check within ourselves how much of this Yahudiyat is now creeping in. And the thing that keeps coming up is the lesson of dressing, clothing, because this is where this gets becomes most apparent. The following of the way of the Yahud, as one person put it, that if you just take the design of the dresses and clothing that women wear and the styles and the manner in which it is going since you compare it from behind that we are talking about the Muslim woman obviously but where has it what has it been following, which trend so where it started off from and where it is going to not the best way of putting it but nevertheless because this is a very crucial thing it might be even sounding a little bit of maybe uh, just being said in a casual manner but it's a very serious thing the person said that at one time well this was maybe not, not as a norm but in winter and so on people even wore polo necks that it even covered the whole neck some jerseys and so on 
was even polo neck, but that was not the norm. That was something in winter people would wear that kind of thing. But the standard was nevertheless round necks. Even the kuffar, round necks. Then the round necks became V-necks. And then it became capital V's. And as time passed, Allah forbid, it has become U-necks. Now where is this heading to? And now this is the kuffar, but what has happened to our community? Now this is a khaliful yahud, sumu ashura wa khaliful yahud, that lesson, that we should not be going down that drain, because all is going lower and lower, is becoming that, that in that pit of jahannam. Jahannam is going downwards. Person falls into the pit of jahannam, and we say he's going to rise in jannat, rise in the levels of jannat. Now this all going down is going towards jahannam. It's not going up towards jannat. So, when Ashura comes, it's not just something that we just like, mashallah, we had a good meal and uh, it was a nice get together, maybe everybody, family got together to eat the meal, so we enjoyed everybody's company and then we carry on with our own lives like we had before. No, what lesson have we learned? Have we learned the lesson of Mukhalifat of the Yahud, of opposing the way of the Jews? Is everything going the way they are channeling it? But we just put a cover up in some way that fine, I'm, I'm okay. Their brands, then the manner of how they display everything, we got to display it. That that brand name must stick out everywhere. Before the person sees the, the face, he sees the brand. So all this is part of that same Yahudi culture. Our culture is different. Our culture is humility. That if a person bought something branded to he'll hide the brand. I don't want to promote myself in terms of a brand. I'm not a cow that I must get branded. Something that is now not really eye-catching or something, it's hidden, it's understandable. Or it is just one corner, it's something now negligible. But where the brand becomes more important than the garment itself. And the brand name must stick out even more importantly than the person himself. Then now this is we gone into the Yahud culture. So that is not our way. Our way is humility. Our way is trying to hide ourselves, not promote ourselves. So the lesson of Ashura is also this to become the humble servants of Allah Ta'ala and to reject and oppose the way of the Yahud and the Nasara and all the evils that they are promoting to oppose all this so these occasions come it comes with these lessons one is to uh, take the rewards to acquire the virtues of these occasions we shouldn't deprive ourselves of this also as much as we can there is no compulsion it is not farz wajib somebody cannot manage it somebody finds it difficult then they are not under any obligation, it's not compulsory, nobody should be uh, reprimanding them for not doing it. It's a thing to encourage, but if it's not done, there's no reprimand on it. But, at the same time, whether a person is fasting or not, but the lessons are for everybody. The lessons are, especially when we are fasting, we should be taking the lesson to a greater extent. I'm fasting, today is the ninth, if tomorrow people will be fasting, it's the ninth. Why am I fasting on the ninth? 
Ashura is on the 10th I'm fasting because I want to oppose the Jews This is the instruction of Nabi Oppose the Jews So am I opposing them? I'm opposing them today in this Amal But am I opposing them in my life? Am I just flowing with the flood waters? So Ashura The lesson it's giving us is Don't flow with the flood waters Don't just be a piece of grass That gets carried away But rather be the lion That swims against the tide And Remain steadfast So may Allah Give us the tawfiq That we implement these lessons We take these lessons into our lives and implement them And we become steadfast in deen We stay steadfast on the sunnah of Rasulullah On the values of deen The value of haya The value of simplicity And all the other imani values May Allah bless us With all the best of dunya and akhirat And keep us away from all the things that take us and distances away from Allah tabarak wa ta'ala wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik jazallahu anna nabiyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين